Hello and welcome to the Battle Cry podcast with Mark Mecklen. Catch the original live broadcast Sunday nights at 8pm Eastern. Go to conventionofstates.com slash pod to learn more. And now, here's the Battle Cry with Mark Mecklen. Hey everyone, happy Sunday evening. Welcome to the Battle Cry. I'm your host, Mark Meckler. If you like the gear, well, you can't get this one anymore. I'm sorry, it's a classic. You probably didn't get it when we first produced it, so you're lost. We do have the Hell No Joe, and I'm not wearing that hat, but it looks like this. It says Hell No Joe on it instead of Hell No Beto. We could still say Hell No Beto because Beto is running to be the, uh, once again, losing candidate running for governor. I don't know what it is with Beto O'Rourke's like, he loves to run in elections that he's definitely going to lose. He's definitely going to lose here in Texas. He definitely wants to take away your AR. I definitely say, hell no, Beto. I won't be voting for him. I don't personally know anybody who will. I don't know. Maybe some people will. I won't be. But if you want cool gear, if you want the hell no Joe shirt, if you want the hat, the COS hat, or all the other cool gear we have, we have so much great stuff right now. All you got to do is go to conventionofstates.com forward slash store and buy the gear. Wear the swag. Make a statement. My favorite new shirt that we have there is uh, it says no mouse in this house. Uh, looks like you can tell it's Disney style of writing. Underneath it, it says hashtag no more Disney. So if you're taking a stand against Disney, like we are in my family and like every good red-blooded American should, then you need your uh, no more Disney or no mouse in this house shirt. And so go to conventionofstates.com forward slash store, get all your stuff. By the way, we're going to institute a new system here on the battle cry and that to make sure that it's easier for me to get your questions and also to allow you all to submit video questions. So this is what I, what I want you guys to do is if you want to submit a question, we're going to have answer the questions in the following week. And so all you have to do is one of two things. You can either write an email to battlecry at cosaction.com. That's one word battlecry at cosaction.com. Submit your question or submit a video, or you can go to www.conventionofstates.com forward slash battle cry. Do the same thing. Videos, by the way, try to keep them to 20 seconds or under because, you know, we can't have the show all filled up with everybody giving a long monologue. That's my job. Again, uh, battle cry at cosaction.com, conventionofstates.com forward slash battle cry. Your name, your state, if you do a video under 20 seconds, and we'll try to get to as many of your questions as we can. We're going to do some of that this week at the end of the show. All right, there is so much going on right now, but I'm going to tell you that I, I have a theme for this week that I think is really important. And my theme is I want to make sure that you guys are in the fight. You don't give up, but that you're in the fight. And I think this is really important right now because I hear a lot of people getting cocky. And they say, oh, our guys, your guys are going to win the election in 2022 this year in November. Uh, maybe in the primary, some states have primaries now coming up as early as May, June. I'm going to tell you, don't get cocky. If you get cocky, that's a good way to lose. That's a way to open yourself up to the sucker punch. That's a way to not do enough work to make sure that whatever you're fighting for, whatever candidate you support, whatever cause you support, whether you're fighting for COS or maybe you're fighting for pro-life causes or maybe you're fighting for parental rights in schools, maybe you're fighting for a school board seat, don't get cocky. You got to fight and you got to keep fighting every day. If you're going to win, we need to win. There's a whole lot's at stake. So that's our theme this week is, and, and I'm going to refresh that, which is be in the fight. Don't get cocky. Fight, fight, fight. You might hear, by the way, the dogs in the background here. You guys know Levi. He's back there wandering around. 
that's his new little brother, cousin, whatever you want to call it. It's my daughter and son-in-law's dog. That's Ghost. So Levi and Ghost. Also, big announcement, by the way. Daddy and I have a new puppy on the way. So that'll be here uh, end of May. So you'll see a new Great Dane puppy as well. So, all right, let's jump to the news. The news is, sadly, we have a president who has lost his capacity for rational thought. Now, I don't know that he ever had it. The president is clearly now out of his mind. When I say I don't know that he ever had it, I don't mean in his younger years. Remember, they hit him in a basement for three months before the election. He did nothing, no campaigning, no public appearances, nothing, zero. Right? He hid in a basement, I think because he had dementia. And I think it's pretty clear that his dementia is getting worse and worse. Every time he goes on stage, it seems he does something that shows he has dementia. And I, I'm going to be honest with you guys, I am going to make fun of this today. I don't normally make fun of dementia because I've had family members, you know, slide into the abyss of dementia. It's a pretty difficult and ugly thing. But at this point, they are propping him up. I think it's really a terrible thing to do. His family's doing it. The administration's doing it. But if you watch the guy, it's, it's humorous to watch what he's doing at this point. Disturbing, but also humorous. So you have Joe Biden at a press conference. He closes his, it's not a conference, speech, and he turns to his right. There's nobody there. He goes to shake hands with somebody not there. Now he's standing facing the back of the stage. There's nobody there. It's like he's going to talk to a group of people that are behind him, and there's nobody there. And he finally realizes there's nobody around. I'm going to wander off to stage right. I mean, this is a person who clearly clearly has lost his mind. By the way, some of the fact checkers, PolitiFact fact checked this and they said he was gesturing to the audience that is right. Okay, so that's a weird gesture. Have you ever gestured like this? This is your gesture, right? Put your hand out like this. <laughs> it's not a gesture, that's a handshake. He was shaking hands with somebody who wasn't there. He turned around, looked like he was talking to people who weren't there. He's doing this because at a lot of speeches, there are people to his immediate right that he might shake hands with. There are people behind him. There's often like a gallery, a photo gallery of folks behind him. And he turns around and shakes their hands before he goes off stage. Those people weren't there. And he still did that thing. The man has dementia. Now, do they know he has dementia? Does the administration know? Do the people who work for him know that he has dementia? Well, of course they do. We see it on stage. We see it on pub in public every day. They're with him all the time. Of course they know he has dementia. Here is the latest example of what they're trying to do to protect him from having to answer questions or to make sure he doesn't say crazy, demented things in public. Producer G, roll the next day. He's being interrupted. He's being asked questions about Ukraine by the press. He's being interrupted. He's being, uh, maybe Pakistan was the question. And you can see he's shepherded away from the questions by the Easter Bunny. Look at this. He's like, oh, oh my God, I gotta go. I got, Easter Bunny's like, no, Mr. President, go this way. It turns out they think that the person in the Easter Bunny suit was an assistant press secretary. He's being asked foreign policy questions. He's mumbling. He's bumbling. Boom, the Easter Bunny intervenes. <laughs> and if you can see the look on his face, there's another shot over the Easter Bunny's shoulder. He's terrified. Like all of a sudden, the Easter Bunny's in front of him. Ben Shapiro said a look on his face is like the angel of death has approached him. He looks shocked and terrified. And then the Easter Bunny leads him away. Can you imagine? This is the leader of the free world, the most powerful man on planet Earth, and he's being told what to do by none other than the Easter Bunny. For real. That's a real thing that you just saw. That actually happened. That's like something out of a terrible comedy movie 
or a really good comedy movie, right? It's just absolutely unbelievable that our president is shaking hands with imaginary people, can't string two sentences together without reading from a teleprompter, and sometimes even when reading from a teleprompter, literally can't answer press, press questions, doesn't know how to get off a stage, pretty much seems like he doesn't even know where he is, and he is the president of the United States of America. I think this is incredibly dangerous. If it were up to me, he would be removed using the 25th Amendment. He is clearly mentally incompetent. And that means other people are running the White House. And maybe they're better than him. I mean, he's demented. It's hard to imagine that they could be worse, although the policies that they're apparently initiating seem to be really, really bad on every front. Economic policy, foreign policy, you name it, policies on COVID. They're now going to appeal the dropping of the mask mandate. Like every decision they make is bad. It's hard to blame Joe Biden. I don't think he's mentally competent. We should use the 25th Amendment. Now, a lot of conservatives I know push back against that, and they say, well, that means Kamala Harris would become president. And I agree. Would that be bad? Yes. Would it be worse? It might be, because she seems like she's not mentally incompetent, except for she has no excuse. Right? She doesn't have dementia. She doesn't have what appears to be maybe Alzheimer's. She doesn't have that stuff. She's just not bright. She's just absolutely terrible at her job. But we have a president clearly mentally incompetent. If we had a system that respected power, that respected the balance of power, that respected the, the what it means to be the most powerful man in the free world, his cabinet would remove him. But these are terribly dishonest people who are motivated only by politics, only by political factionalism. And they know that Kamala Harris is less likable than Joe Biden. Hard to do. Joe Biden's approval rating somewhere between 33 and 38%, but they won't do the right thing. Imagine if you're sitting in that cabinet and you know you're working with Joe Biden, you know that he has dementia. And imagine you decide, I'm not going to do anything about it because it doesn't serve us politically. I mean, I think that's horrendous. I think that shows us that the country is in the very worst hands. Hands of people who are not ethical, not moral, they have no integrity, they have no honesty, and they are holding the levers of power at the very highest levels of the American government. So we have a president clearly demented, shaking hands with people that aren't there and being shepherded by the Easter Bunny. Everything's just fine. No, really, it's, it's, it's all just fine. All right, so this is another reason to get cocky because we have a president who clearly has dementia and we got to do something about that. All right. Now, I would say somebody out there is absolutely doing something about it. Somebody's doing something about it in a big way and weighing in on the culture wars and the political wars in a way that nobody else can. And that is the richest man on earth, Elon Musk, aka Iron Man. <laughs> absolutely incredible. Like, right? He's like kind of like Tony Stark in a weird kind of way from the Iron Man series. I don't watch him anymore, but back when I did, uh, we don't watch him anymore because bad part of the culture war is going on there by their ownership. But Elon Musk has made his bid for Twitter, and it's really incredible to watch. And he says, and I think this is true by what he's offering, it's not an economic move for him. It's a free speech move. Imagine here's a guy that's worth over $240 billion. He says he's willing to put $43 billion into buying Twitter. Twitter has then, for its part, through its board, which does not own even close to the largest stake, I think the largest board holder owns under 1% of Twitter stock,
But those board members say that they're putting a poison pill in to prevent Elon Musk from doing this. This is a technique whereby they're going to make the share prices go way up if he ends up owning more than 15% in the company. Musk, for his part, has countered by saying he's now raised all the money necessary, the $43 billion, to tender an offer. And what happens is he's going to tender that offer. And when he tenders that offer, uh, it's up to shareholders whether they want to accept that offer. And if he ends up uh, with more than 50% of the company, he's in absolute control. And so that could happen. We'll see what happens. He says he has the money. The filings are in with the SEC. This fight is going to continue, but it has broad ramifications for our society because Elon Musk says Twitter should just be an open platform. You know, unless it's something like a direct threat of violence, then you should be able to say it on Twitter. If, Twitter, if there's any question about whether it should be posted on Twitter, it should be posted on Twitter. And this would be transformational. Now, this is really funny because the left is freaking out on this, right? They tell us, if you want to build your own platform, people do, for example, like Parler, and then the left shuts them down. Now we have somebody who's a free speech advocate that says he's going to buy Twitter and they're freaking out because they say, think how terrible it would be for a billionaire to own a social media platform. Like Mark Zuckerberg, maybe? Yeah, see, they don't actually care if billionaires own social media platforms. They just want to make sure they're the right kind of censorious, statist, Democrat, liberal, progressive billionaires who own the platforms, and then they're okay with that. So Musk is transforming things. He's really shaking it up. And by the way, a lot of other companies should be shaking in their boots. Musk, and there are others like him who might follow in his footsteps, have enough money to buy pretty much any company. If they can buy Twitter, if they can put $43 billion into Twitter, they can pretty much make hostile takeover attempts at any company. Again, remember, make your own. Well, how about if we just buy yours on the open market? You guys pretend to be capitalists, so... What if we just buy Twitter and make it a free speech platform? And by the way, I'm not saying, clearly not saying, nor is Musk, censor liberal perspectives. Let them be shown. Let them be out there in the open. In fact, the more liberalism we can put on display in this country, the more liberal progressive insanity we can put on display, the better it is for conservatives. Why? Because those people are just bat poop crazy, right? The people on the far, far left, they're nuts. And when what they say and what they believe becomes public and our views are not censored, then people will move our way. So God bless Elon Musk for coming out and, and being willing to be in the fight and put his own cash in the fight for being in the fight for free speech. I think this is transformational. You know, and it's transformational. And this is really important because it's about free speech, because he wants more dialogue. Make no mistake, Elon Musk is not a dyed-in-the-wool conservative. He's different than I am. His political views are definitely different than I am. You can listen to him on Joe Rogan in long form, and you'll hear a lot of places where we might differ. But he is in it for free speech. And there's another major free speech fight taking place on the internet right now. And that involves something called Libs of TikTok. Now, if you haven't seen this Twitter account, you can go look at that, look them up on Libs of TikTok. And I want you to understand what that is and why it matters. Libs of TikTok is a very creative account on Twitter. And all it does, by the way, one thing, it goes out and finds crazy liberals and then reposts their material. Not edits it, not takes it out of context, but just reposts their material. And it's pretty extraordinary to see why, because the left in this country has gone completely insane. So for example, Libs of TikTok, one of the things they specialize in is going out and finding the accounts of teachers who claim to be 
transgender, cross-gender, queer, LGBT, whatever the whole acronym thing is. And then the crazy stuff they're saying, like, I'm teaching my kindergartners about being queer. Uh, you know, we're, we have kindergartners marching in BLM parades. We have kinder, kindergartners or third graders or fifth graders or whatever it is we're teaching about sexuality. Or one guy who said that he's teaching um, his students that he actually says this to his students. If your parents aren't accepting of your sexuality, then F them. I'm your parent now. You should see this guy. You'd be terrified to know that he is going to be the parent of kids who are obviously troubled and are obviously in distress and are obviously confused. And what he seems to want to lead them into is deviancy. And so Libs of TikTok is exposing all this stuff and that's getting picked up. It's become a very popular account. It's getting picked up by the likes of Ben Shapiro and Laura Ingram on Fox News and others. And so lots of traffic, lots of following. And so you have a reporter at the Washington Post that decides to go after this Libs of TikTok account and paint it as racist, as homophobic, as transphobic. Now remember, just posting the exact things that these people say, right? Not sure how that's transphobic or homophobic, just posting them. But see, the Washington Post doesn't like it because it goes against their narrative. And so what this Washington Post reporter did is found out who the person was behind the libs of TikTok. Uh, it turns out it's an Orthodox Jewish woman and doxed her. Now, the term doxing means to expose her personal information publicly, put out her address, what her name is, what she does for a living. And by the way, this particular reporter has complained vociferously in the past, in the last week or so, about how she's been doxxed and how sad it is for her and how people are scaring her and how she is has PTSD now because people don't like her. And then she doxes this woman who's trying to remain private. Unbelievable stuff. So why do they care? Why does the left care so much about libs of TikTok? The reason is because libs of TikTok is exposing in the words of the radical left themselves how radical they are, how crazy they are, what a bunch of lunatics they are, what a bunch of deviants they are, and importantly, what they want to do to your kids and your grandkids, how they want to groom them up for lives of sexual deviancy. I know people hate it. Oh, groomer. The left says you can't say groomer, right? So I'm going to say they're groomers. That's what they're doing. They are grooming kids to indoctrinate them in sexually deviant lifestyles. And they're training them up to be transgender, fluid, pangender. I, I don't even know what you want to coffee gender. I don't know what their genders are. There, there's apparently well over 50 of them. They're training kids to do this stuff. And we are seeing an explosion in young people who are now quote unquote identifying this way. By the way, just to be clear, if you genuinely identify as a sex other than your own, I'm talking about your genetic sex, your hormonal sex, your biological sex. If you are born as a man and you say you're a woman, you're mentally ill. That's a mental illness, right? In fact, it's according to the DSM, it's a mental illness or was until recently, right? And so if you're if you're see if you see an explosion in kids doing this, that's an explosion of mental illness, and that is being promoted by those on the radical left, and they don't like it, especially when we show it in their own words. So I think it's really important that we do so. Kudos to Libs of TikTok for doing it. But one last thing on this story, by the way, Babylon B has offered a job to the to the woman who's behind Libs of TikTok, 
so that she doesn't have to hide, so she doesn't have to worry, so she can make money doing this. And this is something I think we need to do more of. When we see somebody who gets canceled for telling the truth, then we need to step up, fund them, support them, make sure that they can make a living out of telling the truth so that there becomes a benefit, a public good, a positive and private good for her for telling the truth and for doing it in a humorous way using the left's own words. So kudos to Babylon B for stepping up and funding that. I know Daily Wire has been doing this, bringing people into their stable who've been canceled like Gina Carano and others. This is something that we're going to have to do on the right on a large scale. If you get canceled and you're out there making a difference and telling the truth, then we should make sure that you're rewarded for telling the truth. Not rescued, you don't need rescue. You're already a hero, you're already doing the brave thing. You need to be rewarded for telling the truth. Mark Meckler is fighting every day to call the first ever Article 5 Convention of States to drain the swamp once and for all. Join Mark and millions of other Americans by signing the official petition at conventionofstates.com slash pod. And now back to the show. So people who are another example of people who are telling the truth, a great example of this are parents who are fighting for their schools, right? This is really important that parents stand up and fight for their schools. They're fighting against this kind of stuff that you're seeing on these videos at Libs of TikTok. They're telling the truth about them. They're going to school board meetings. They're fighting about it with the school boards. They're fighting against the sexual indoctrination and grooming of their children, the pornography in their libraries. They're fighting against the schools were closed when they shouldn't have been closed. They're fighting against vaccine mandates and mask mandates. They are in the fight. Remember we said, don't get cocky, be in the fight. Parents are in the fight. And I think this is the most important thing of the election of 2022. And the more the left goes to the left, the more the parents are going to be in the fight. And I think this is going to be the parent rebellion of 2022. As one of the guys who helped found the Tea Party movement way back in 2009, I know what it's like. I know what it feels like when a grassroots rebellion is brewing, when a grassroots movement is actually happening, when it's reached a head of steam. And that is the parents' rebellion of 2021 and 2022. It's going on right now. Those parents, by the way, are going to vote not just in school board elections, but in all elections. They're going to run for school boards. I could tell you my friend Paul Martino in Pennsylvania, I think they ran in 260 school board elections, won like 60% of them. Really incredible. Uh, Dr. Beth Ann uh, Rosica is out there running an organization called Back to School PA that's helping people to run for school boards all over the state. We're going to help them spread that all over the country. I think this is the moment, the movement of 2022. This is going to be the thing that turns the election, and you're going to see an incredible wave and an incredible sea change, not just in Washington, D.C., but in state legislatures and everywhere down ticket, right, in the school board elections and mayoral elections. And I think what you're going to see is the left gets swept from power, not a wave election, a tsunami election. Uh, you know, here's one more thing about how Dems are destroying their own party. I'm going to read a little bit. This is from the College Fix. It's really incredible stuff. I found this earlier today. Uh, you can find it in the College Fix if you look up Duke Divinity School. So apparently the Duke Divinity School has held a worship service to, quote, the great queer one. Yeah, you heard me right now. I want you to hear that again. This is not Duke University. This is the Duke Divinity School training pastors, right? And so they invited students in to praise the great queer one. And they said that we want to affirm everyone to be who they truly are. Second year Master of Divinity student Caroline Kemp began to step into the Holy One's fire that burns away that says we are not good enough and refines us by the Pentecostal fire to be exactly who the great 
queer one calls us to be. I'm not, I'm pretty familiar with the Bible. I don't consider myself an expert, not a theologian. I didn't go to divinity school. Maybe it's a good thing I didn't go to divinity school. There's actually a video of this uh, event. There are a couple dozen people are at the event. That video can be found on YouTube. Uh, and it's, this is, it took place in the Goodson Chapel, described as center of worship life at Duke Divinity School. It, really amazing. This woman camp in her opening prayer described God as the strange one, the fabulous one, the fluid and ever becoming one and said, do not allow us to make our ideas of you into an idol. You're as close to us as our own breath and your essence transcends all that we can imagine. You are mother, father and parent, your sister, brother and sibling. You are drag queen and trans man and gender fluid. Um, no, no, no. God is not described as a drag queen and a trans man and gender fluid in the Bible. Yeah, that's not in scripture anywhere. And I challenge anybody to show me any of those things in scripture. It's just absolutely unbelievable. And they what they're trying to do is to take the church and turn good into evil. That's what these people have done. In my opinion, this is actually satanic stuff. Third-year Master of Divinity student Tirza Villegas told the audience that ending her relationship with the white male god of her childhood allowed her to begin another with a deliciously queer God who loved in scandalous ways and created us for pleasure and wholeness. Uh, and then she goes on to say, Beloved, you are never called to abandon yourself. Abandoning the self is negating the truth of you, who you are, and that's always a lie. Contrary, actual theology, actual scripture says, abandon yourself, right? Lose yourself to God and to what God calls you to do. They try to interpret uh, Genesis 32, 22 to 31, the Jacob story. I wonder how Jacob felt after the angel had gone and he was left alone in the dawn light with a bruised hip and a new name, Sir Boss said. I wonder if he felt the same way I did on that clear October morning when I learned to give myself a hormone shot. No, no, I, I don't. I don't think Jacob, after having a direct encounter with the Lord and wrestling with the Lord and getting the name Israel, I don't think Jacob felt the same as this person feels when they give themselves a hormone shot. I mean, this is just crazy stuff. This going on at the Duke Divinity School. Now, it's important we know this because this is infecting your church. Our church is all over the country. They're training pastors to go out there in the world and to preach this queer gospel, right? This is crazy. Yeah, somebody says or uh, tweeted on April 10th, if Jesus were alive today, he'd 100% be part of the LGBTQIA plus community. I don't even know what that means. It's gotten so ridiculous. I, I don't want to steal from Shapiro, but he calls it the LGBTQIA plus minus hashtag tilde exclamation point community or something like that. So, I mean, this is just ridiculous stuff but it's dangerous, it's infecting your church, be careful, don't let it happen. But it's also a demonstration of why Democrats are so detached from, separated from the American people, why they're gonna have so much trouble in the next election. All right, a CS update here really quick. Uh, as you know, we've passed four states in the last couple of months. That's uh, Wisconsin, Nebraska, West Virginia, South Carolina, North Carolina, we've passed the House. We're on our move in the Senate. Pennsylvania looking good, Ohio looking good. Next week, personally, I'm going to be in Colorado. I'm excited to go to Colorado. We're doing a rally on next Wednesday in Colorado, so I will be there at the state capitol. If you're in Colorado, you should join me for sure. Uh, don't forget, I want to make sure you guys remember this. Uh, 
that if you want to put in questions, you can do that now. Conventionofstates.com forward slash battle cry for videos. That's where you do videos under 20 seconds. Say your name, where you're from, 20 second video. We'll play some of those. Uh, and if you want to just put in questions, you can do that at battlecry at cosaction.com. So we're going to go to some questions right now. We're going to start with, we have Doug in Idaho with a video question. I'm excited to see this. We seem to be struggling in Idaho. What would you suggest would be a good strategy to get Idaho to motivate its legislators to promote the Convention of States? Look at that. Doug can follow instructions. That's a perfect video question. Look, if this goes in waves in any given state, like a state will struggle for a long time, and certainly Idaho's had its struggles. The main struggle in Idaho is the John Birch Society. And these are, in my opinion, I'm, I'm going to be blunt about it. They're lunatics. I actually have video on my phone right now, and, and he said this in other places, who is Robert Brown and John Birch Society claims to be a foremost constitutional expert, who, by the way, testified under oath that he has no qualifications other than the ability to read well or something. That's his only qualification, right? So he's never written a peer-reviewed paper, never written a law review journal, uh, law journal article, not a lawyer, no, in my opinion, real understanding of the Constitution, except for the ability to misinterpret. You've got this organization. I've got him on videotape saying, you're a Nazi, and I'm Nazi. We're all like the Nazis. We're like Hitler because we practice the big lie. So they've gone to the Nazi slur because that's where the radical left always goes. So what you're dealing with in, in Idaho primarily is the John Birch Society. I have to say, any legislators that are relying on the John Birch Society for their information, then they're relying on this kind of stuff that I'm telling you about. I mean, it's crazy, insane stuff. These people are, they don't understand the Constitution. And I'm just going to say, I think the biggest reason they do it is fundraising. It seems like their greatest cause in the country Contrary to all the nationally known conservatives who've come out in favor of this, their biggest cause in the country, the John Birch Society in Idaho, is to stand with Planned Parenthood and La Raza and MoveOn.org and all the public employee unions, all the baby killers, all the America haters, and the John Birch Society all stand against Convention of States. So the, the key is tell your legislators that. Ask them why they're standing with Planned Parenthood. Make them answer that question. Now, you can get this stuff at conventionofstates.com. You can see who's on our side and who's opposed. We have graphics that tell you that. Why are they standing against Rush Limbaugh, Glenn Beck, Sean Hannity, uh, Ben Shapiro, and so many other nationally known conservatives? Go to conventionofstates.com forward slash resources is where you can find all this stuff. And ask your legislators in Ohio, why are they standing with Planned Parenthood? There's a document there. If you look up 230 orgs, it lists all these orgs that the John Birch Society is standing with. It's unbelievable to see an organization claiming to be conservative, standing with Planned Parenthood, MoveOn.org, Daily Cause, Common Cause, Center on Budget and Policy Priorities, Soros organizations. That's who the John Birch Society stands with. So I would just ask them who they stand with. I think that's really important. All right, next question is not a video. It's from Mary Lou Newton. Can you explain COS Article 5? I'm going to tell you just generally go to conventionofstates.com, watch in the resources section the video on, on Article 5 and how it works. So basically, Article 5 of the Constitution contains the clause whereby we amend the Constitution. One way is Congress proposes amendments. Second way is states can do it. We're using the state method. It takes 34 states to call. So far, 18 states have called a convention. Get into convention, debate amendments. If 26 states agree, that amendment becomes a suggestion. Only a suggestion goes out to the states for ratification. 
takes 38 states to ratify. That's the basic process. All right, a couple more questions. Christopher Frome says, why do you think any politicians will follow any new U.S. Constitution when they ignore the current Constitution? Generally speaking, Christopher, they don't ignore the Constitution. The question is, when we say the Constitution, what are we talking about? Are we talking about the pocket Constitution? Reach over here, which is this one, right? This little tiny book contains the entire Constitution. Or, now I'll reach over here. Hold on one second, guys. I wasn't prepared with my props. Or this one. This is called the Constitution of the United States of America Centennial Edition. It's over 3,000 pages. It weighs over 10 pounds. It's produced by the government publishing office. It contains every case ever issued by the Supreme Court telling us what that little document means. So they mostly follow that one. That has Obergefell in it, the gay marriage decision. It has Roe versus Wade in it. It has all the decisions that expand the power of the federal government according to the Commerce Clause. Not good. Bad stuff. The only way to fix that is to use Article 5 of the Constitution. All right, last question, and then we'll close out. Uh, Graciela Earhart says, my question is, why are some states still waiting to get involved? Defending the U.S. citizens is their job. And the answer is simply fear, right? Some of these legislators are afraid, including in Idaho. They've been told, oh, be afraid. Having a convention is so scary, they're told we might lose our beloved Constitution. By the way, that was a lie invented by Chief Justice Warren Burger. They know this. You're from John Birch Society. You probably know this. Warren Burger, you've probably quoted him. He's the guy that gave us Roe versus Wade. And when I asked about a convention, he said it would be a bad idea. Why? Because he didn't want Roe versus Wade overturned. And so he was, they are today, trying to keep you from using the Constitution to save the Constitution. And folks on the right who have been convinced of this, it's strictly fear. And I say this to them. Thank God you weren't there during the American Revolution. You weren't one of the leaders during the American Revolution. Because I bet it was pretty scary for those folks when they signed the Declaration of Independence. They knew their farms would be burned down. They knew that their stores would be looted. They knew that they were committing treason and would likely be hung but they weren't too scared to found the nation. So to those of you who fear calling a convention of states, who fear a meeting that can only make suggestions, I say, shame on you, shame on you, because you're not worthy to stand in the boots and the shoes of the founders and their families of this great United States of America. So it's time to be courageous. It's time to stick with our theme, fight, don't get cocky, and we're gonna win. God bless you guys. Thanks for joining us today on The Battle Cry, and we'll see you next Sunday. This has been the podcast version of The Battle Cry with Convention of States Action President Mark Meckler. Check out more content at conventionofstates.com slash pod and become part of the solution that's as big as the problem. Thank you for listening.